0: Take your Bibles, if you will, and join with me in reading today from Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, and I'm also going to make reference to Romans chapter 8. Jeremiah 29, and also Romans chapter 8. I do want to take just a moment to say thank you to Akron Baptist Church for your generosity and uh, how you have taken such good care of me and Miss Linda. Um, we spent the night in the Parsonage last night, and uh, if you live in the community and my dog kept you awake, my apologies. But um, I'm, hopefully that was okay. And if you hear him whining out there, you're welcome to go by and pet the dog. It's okay. Um, people have asked, do you need anything? Well, if you have a microwave oven that you're not using uh, or, know some, or have an extra one and would like to donate it to the Parsonage, please l- let me know and um, we might be able to use that. Or if you, I I know this is odd, but if you have a number nine cast iron (laughs) skillet, (laughs) I've got one in Louisville, but I use it up there, and I don't want to drag that thing back and forth. So if you have a number nine cast iron skillet that you don't need or you're not using or don't plan to use, and you'd like to donate it to the ministry, as I say, um, then uh, we would love to have that available. Um, A hamburger doesn't taste any better than cooked in a cast-iron skillet, I'll tell you the truth. Um, So we thank you. Let me take a minute. Any of you here that have worked on or made a contribution in some way to the parsonage, um, Donnie, you're gonna be the ones to stand, you and Teresa, because I know you donated a a recliner when we first came and we've used it. Uh, Would you stand, if you've worked on or if you have donated anything to the parsonage, would you stand please? Uh, we just want to celebrate and say thank you so much for the hard work that you did. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, thank you so much. Be seated. It, it's, uh, it's brand new on the inside. And in a couple of weeks, we'll have an open house and give you an opportunity to walk through there. And uh, uh, that, that'll be a, 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 a lot of fun. And it's a perfect location. Uh, uh, I wish they were out of sight at the church, but I'm telling you, it's a whole lot easier to walk across the parking lot uh, at 10 o'clock than it is to drive from Louisville at 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, i tell you. So we, we thank you so much. Uh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, and we are enjoying it. Uh, on the inside, it looks like a brand new house, and the outside is perfect. Um, it's just, just what we need, and we thank you so so very much. I tell Linda from time to time, we could not have planned being here at Ekron any better than what God planned for us to, to be, be here. Uh, you were not on our radar five years ago. I wished you were, but you were not. And uh, I wish we had come six or eight years ago, but that was not God's plan. It was to be right now. And you have supported us. You've been generous with us. And we thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. Yeah, so, so very much. All right. All um, right. Let's look at the text. Let me set up our text, the context of this passage. In the history of Israel, one of the most unforgettable and uh, God moments as God revealed himself to his people were in the wilderness times. Uh, God revealed himself to Moses on the backside of a mountain. Uh, And God revealed himself during the Babylonian exile. Now, you remember in the history of Israel, Assyria came and conquered Jerusalem and took into captivity to Babylon um, the best of the Jewish people that that they had, the most educated uh, craftsmen and so forth, and um, put them into exile. And this was a horrible, horrible Holocaust experience for the Jewish people. In fact, it was so sad that one of the Psalms makes reference to the Jews being asked by the Assyrians to sing the songs of Zion. Um, There's an old, uh, some of you remember the movie out there, it's a horrible movie, but it's kind of funny, Blazing Saddles, where they they have these African-American guys sitting by the railroad track, they've been working on the railroad track, and they're making fun of them by saying, sing us some of those songs y'all sing, those spirituals. Well, they didn't want to hear the song, They are just making fun of them. Well, the Assyrians, and that passage comes out of the Bible. That scene does. The Assyrians did the same thing to the Jews. They made fun of the Jews by saying, Sing us the songs of Zion. Play your accordion and sing us the songs of Zion. And the psalm says, how can we sing? How, how can we sing? There's no testimony here. How, how can we sing? Times are so bad. Times are so awful we have lost our homeland we have lost our home city we have lost our loved ones we've lost our reputation we have lost the temple and while israel is in exile god reveals himself in a powerful way i happen to believe that most of genesis was written during the exile because as you read the book of genesis it tells the people of Israel, remember why we marry men and women, why we worship one God who created all things. The stars are not God. God created the stars. Why do we have the Sabbath? Why do we have the Jewish laws? And, and then the history of Israel in the book of G- G- Genesis as well. So don't run me off for being a liberal, but I really think I really think that Genesis came out of that exile experience. So when you are a long way from home or you are a long way from where you want to be, and now I'm really talking to seniors because I know you know what it's like to not be where you want to be. When you're a junior, you couldn't wait to graduate. When you're a senior, you, you've just checked out. <laughs> you're not even there you're just showing up for class and trying to get out of school my son made a d in anthropology in his junior year and he said that's the best d i ever most proud of in my life that was a hard class and so and you wonder is god doing anything in my life and around me and the answer is yes and the point of the message is this this is the promise of god the promise of God is that He is at work all of your life to do good in your life. I remember wrote in Vesta's testimony. I wish I had heard it, uh, and sharing when you just got when I first came, how God was at work to bring good in that terrible experience. And God is at work in your life. And the outline goes like this, God is at work in your life when you're waiting to bring you good. God is at work in your life to bring you good while you're working. And God is at work in your life to bring you good while you are a witness. And that's why God told Israel to, when you go into Babylon, it was not an accident that you are in exile. He said, I sent you there. I sent you there. I had a similar exile experience in my life. I spent a year and a half in a pawn shop downtown Louisville, first in Jefferson. Anybody ever go to Stan's Pawn Shop, first (laughs) in Jefferson Street? You've been there. Okay, good. Well, I probably waited on you when you came in the door, Sue. And um, who knows? Here we are today. Uh, But um, I, I had a lot of crazy... Events that happened. I actually got to meet one of the members of KISS who came in. They were in a concert. And at that time, they'd take guitars and destroy them on stage. Remember the crazy things they would do? This guy came in. He was this ugly sin. I kid you not. He was this ugly sin. His face just looked deformed. And that's, I know that's why they wear all that makeup. Because they're just ugly. They really are. And... Um, and so this guy comes in, and he's, it's obvious as he's walking around. There's a bodyguard watching him. And I went up to the bodyguard, and I said, uh, who is that? And he said he named one of the members of the band, which I can't remember. And um, I thought, man, that guy's. So he bought the guitar. He and my Jewish employer haggled over the price. He cussed like a sailor. He was just rude, and he didn't want to pay the price. And he could have bought a hundred pun shops, you know. He was so wealthy, but he haggled over the price. Well, what he didn't know was he a—he was dealing with another Jewish guy that was just as just as uh, uh, hard to deal with as he was. And they haggled for a while. The guy had to have the guitar, so he took it. And I made him, I said, would you sign this receipt for me? So I, I had that autograph of one of the members of KISS. Kind of interesting. I don't know what I did with it. Be worth some money now, I guess. But something happened in that time. Um, I had gone into that pawn shop experience. I'd left the church, actually, to take that job. And the reason I left the church was I had pastored while I was in college one church for a year and two churches as interim while I was a college student. So I was used to being the preacher and the pastor. And uh, I took a church in Fairdale, and that's where I met Linda Lou, um, to be the youth and music minister. And so for about two years... I was a youth and music minister and not able to preach and i just couldn't take it anymore i said i'm I'm out of my field and they did call others to take my place and it worked out well for the church but while i was there i got to know the jewish employee and you know the first week that i was on the job he tried to fire me he really did i didn't know what he wanted to do there was no training and uh, I think he just hired me as a pity case and decided, well, I'll get rid of this kid. And he, he told me, he said, this is just not working out. Listen, you're going to have to leave. And I said, Stan, I need the job. And then I told him this. And seniors, you listen to this. I said, I'll do anything you need me to do, and I'll help you succeed. So he let me stay on another month, and during that month period of time, I had had some experience with a 16-millimeter reel-to-reel. You know what old reel-to-reels are? We have DVDs now and all that, but uh, I had had experience working that thing. He had one of those he was trying to sell in the pawn shop. He didn't know how to sell it. He didn't know how to work it, but I did. And some guy came in wanting that 16-millimeter reel-to-reel, and Stan says, do you know how to work that thing? I said, I sure do. I set it up for him, turned it on, it worked. We sold it, and I was there for another year and a half. God told Israel, plant a vineyard during the exile. Make yourself usable. Plant with hope. And he said, at the end of 70 years, I will bring you back to Jerusalem. But in the meantime, you're going to have to wait. And that's the real thrust of this problem. And he said, I want you to be a witness in Assyria while you are in exile. And I had that opportunity. I worked for this Jewish employee. His, his mother was Russian Jew who, who came from Russia to Louisville, Kentucky and sold apples downtown Louisville during the Great Depression era. And that's how he got into that business. He was actually left for dead during World War II. He served in the Army National Guard. They were deployed to the Battle of the Bulge. And he was shot on the battlefield and was left for dead for three days. And in the snow they dug him out. He was still breathing, badly wounded. And he still has a picture or had a picture of himself carrying the uh, tummy gun that he used when he was on the battle battlefield. He would often say, and I think he did this because he was a brilliant fellow. I mean, he was just absolutely brilliant. And he could make money just saying hello to you in the morning. I mean, he just had a way of doing that. Uh, All the stuff that he'd been through in his life, left for dead on the battlefield, severely injured. They never thought he would recover, but he did. You saw no signs physically of his injuries. And he always had this attitude. People would come in, they'd say, hey, Mr. Stan, how you doing? He'd say, I've got nothing but peaches and cream." But once in a while, he'd tell me, you know, I don't believe in God. I don't go to the, uh, to the temple. He said, uh, we have to pay for our pew in the temple every year. So they assess us for so much money. And he said, I, I just don't go, and I just don't believe in all that. It's a synagogue, rather. And he said, I don't believe there's God. And I think he was trying to get me to debate him. But I worked for the guy, and I needed the job, and I wasn't going to debate theology with him about whether or not there was a God. But I worked. I worked, and I worked faithfully, and I showed up every time he needed me to show up. When it came time to graduate from school, he had a bunch of suitcases lined up in his pawn shop on the top. He'd go up to Chicago, and he'd buy a bunch of stuff to just make the place look full of goods. He didn't care if he sold any of it or not. It was just, you know, for looks, because that's not how he made his money. He made his money on... 15% 15% interest per month for anything $10 or less pond or anything $20 or less, they'd go down to $10 and five, 5%. That's pretty good interest. But he had all those suitcases up there. And he said, um, pick out any one you want because I know you're traveling back to Louisiana. And I did. And the one I picked out was exact replica of the vision that God gave to me when He called me to preach, I'll never forget it to this day. When God called me to preach in that little church in Winfield, Louisiana, <clears throat> during the revival, I was working at a plywood mill, and that's when I surrendered to the Lord and said, "God, whatever You want me to do, just tell me, and I'll do it." I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I had spiritual unrest. I, I was just nothing seemed to satisfy me. And I wasn't behaving badly, you know. I was trying to do good and going to church and working hard. And and, um, my mom was still living at that time, but I was in such spiritual unrest. I said, God, if you'll just tell me what you want me to do, I'll do it. And I waited. And I went to church that evening during the revival. And while I was sitting there, the Lord said, I want you to preach. And I told the other young people I was sitting with that's what God's calling me to do. And I went forward. Five young people went forward during that revival to say God was calling them to preach. I think I was the only one that God called to preach because I was the only one that went with it. But that suitcase I picked out was an exact replica of the vision that God gave to me when God called me and I had to wait. I didn't have a college degree didn't have a seminary education had opportunity here and there to preach here and there but that's about it and that teal colored hard you know the hard case suitcases not the limber bag looking things like we have now but these it was a hard teal colored suitcase and uh, that's the one i picked out i remember where i was when i saw that suitcase even though i hadn't had it yet I was crossing the railroad track in the little town where God had called me to preach, and I was dreaming about the future, and all I could see was this teal colored suitcase. And that's the suitcase that Stan gave me when I graduated from school and went to take my first church in Louisiana. I drug that suitcase all over the world. I drug it to Kenya because you can put a bag of cookies in that suitcase close the lid and they'll stay fresh and they won't crush up like a like these bags you have these days and when you're in the bush country in Kenya, and you're holding a revival and there's only one guy that can speak English and everybody else is speaking Kenyan and um and you're eating Uji and Ugali I tell you what after sunset and they've all gone to bed outside they sleep out there in Elton um uh after you've gone to bed a fresh cookie tastes real good but I filled that suitcase up with cookies. I took that thing to, Kenya, uh, to Tanzania on a mission trip to, t- uh, to Tanzania as, as well. But I had to wait. And in God's timing, he fulfilled his dream for me. I remember well as a student I, in high school, I was wanting to fly airplanes and God called me to preach and I had to put all that, on, that dream on hold and went to college, seminary, came back to Louisiana and when I came back to Louisiana uh, take that church after I got that suitcase a guy in that church as soon as I got there, Leesville Louisiana said, I hear you like to fly, you like airplanes, I said yes sir he said I'll teach you how to fly, I'm an instructor and in Fort Polk, Louisiana is where I learned to fly a Cessna 150 finally got my pilot's license when I came back to Louisville and started at Parkland Baptist Church, I was recruited to be in the Air National Guard as a chaplain. And when I got out there, I met the wing commander. And I got in the, they put me up in an a F-4 jet. And I got to sit in the front seat. And while I was sitting in the front seat, I had my hand on the joystick, you know. And God said, see there, i put it together for you. I put my dream and your dream together. Delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist says, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You're looking at a guy that that psalm is all about. I tried to move back to Louisiana several times, and I was anxious, and God just saying, wait, wait, don't go yet. And finally one day he told me, he said, just wait, you'll see. Just wait, you'll see. And I was able to end my career after 29 years in the Air National Guard as a colonel. And now the government pays me $2,000 a month not to show up for drill weekend. Isn't that great? It's great. It comes every month where I want it to or not. Or whether I need it or not. Because I waited. All those three points are here in this passage of Scripture except the one about witness. When Linda and I got married, we went to Fairdale Baptist Church to get married. My Jewish pawn shop employer and his wife, Stan and um, Mary Lee, came to our wedding. He saw the gospel in that marriage ceremony. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the first time he ever sat under the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seniors, learn to wait. Be busy working for the kingdom of God. Use your morals, your ethics. You don't have to be a you know, Bible thumper type person. In fact, don't be that kind of person. People run away from you. But show up for work on time. Be early. I had a Wing Commander one time said, <laughs> he said, if you can't be on time, be early. If you can't be on time, be early. I thought that's pretty good. So I'd try my best to be early everywhere I went. Be a person of integrity. A person of integrity. And be a person that helps other people succeed. Anybody ever listened to Zig Ziglar? Keith, you listen to Zig Ziglar back... Back in the day, I loved him, and he had this saying, if you can help enough other people get what they want, you'll be able to get what you want. If you can help enough other people succeed, you'll succeed. And that's true. The Lord said, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon. Now, 70 years is a generation. You're going to be in exile, and you're, some of y'all not coming back home. But your children will, and your grandchildren will. Seniors, think about not just your career, but the ones who will follow you. What legacy will you leave for them? Will the world that follows you be better off than the world you are in right now? When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. See that promise? My good plan for you. My my good word to you. God has a good word for you because he has a good future for you. If you will seek him if you will delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And it was the desire of Israel to get back to Jerusalem, to get back to the temple, to rebuild the walls of the city, to rebuild the walls around the temple and the altar of the temple itself. And they finally did it. It finally came to pass. And that was their goal. Let that be your goal, seniors. And I know I'm not just talking to seniors. I'm talking to all of us. He said, I will visit you. You will see my hand at work. I've always thought seeing the hand of God at work is like riding on the tailgate of a pickup truck. You ever ride on a tailgate of a pickup truck? That's back before we had um, laws about um, riding on a tailgate of a truck, right? (laughs) Yeah. We had a a music uh, director one time who's... uh, uh, who was mayor and pastor of the First Baptist Church at Atlanta, Louisiana. Atlanta, Louisiana, a small town. And he was well-loved and very gifted uh, pianist and uh, music teacher. He taught music at the school. And when he came to our church, where I was called to preach to, to lead a music school there, he brought his kids in his car in the trunk with the trunk lid open. Now, that's back in the day, isn't it? Don't do that today. Don't, don't do that today. You won't, uh, You'll be, I'll be visiting you in jail <laughs> if you do that. But I will be, I will give you my good word. Now, the next sentence talks about his good work. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. God's got a plan for your life. All you got to do is want it. If you want God's plan, he'll give you more delights than you can stand. We're, we're here at Ekron, and y'all just bless us, and once in a while we just kind of pinch ourselves, because it, we, we're, we're in such a good, I think God saved the best for last. I really believe it. I think God saved the best for last. Plans for your welfare. See, God's on your side when you take his side. Plans for your welfare, not for calamity, but to give you a future and a hope. He says, then you'll call on me, you'll come, you'll pray, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Today the Lord is calling you to give your heart to him. Romans chapter 8 says that God is working all things together for good for those who love Him and those who follow Him, who are called according to His purpose. So God is calling you today to come and follow Him. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I encourage you today do that right now while we sing this hymn. In a moment, I'm going to pray with you. Then we're going to sing this hymn. And while we're singing this hymn, uh, I want you to come to give your life to the Lord. And then we'll talk about baptism. All right, let's stand together in prayer. Father, thank you for this moment of decision. And I pray that there'll be someone here today who will step forward and say, I give my life to Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner then believe that jesus christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life then confess your faith in jesus christ as your savior and lord if you've made this decision today write to us at the Ekron baptist church 2775 hayesville road Ekron, kentucky 40117 if you're looking for a church home we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.